This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective on the Mojo 5.0 radio network. You can also listen on demand anytime on Spreaker, TuneIn, iTunes, and Spotify. And follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Shoot me an email at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 772-245-0750. We, can, we just might use it on a future broadcast. That number again, 772-245-0750. Well, it's good to be with you. I hope you had a great Easter celebration. Enjoyed your family and friends and uh, reconnected with a higher purpose. Uh, I certainly did. Uh, Spent uh, spent a a relaxing Easter weekend. Of course, uh, there was a damper put on the whole um, holiday by these terrible attacks on Christian worshipers in Sri Lanka, in and around Colombia, Colombo, Sri Lanka. The media um, spent most of the weekend trying to obscure the fact that, uh, you know, this was an Islamic terror attack on Christians. The term of art that uh, the Democrats and the mainstream media adopted as if it had gone out on some talking point somewhere where these were Easter worshipers, not Christian churches, not that the main suspect in these uh, atrocities uh, were radical Islamists. They covered it as if this was just sort of uh, fallen out of the sky. And this is a recurring theme. You know, we remember last week when Shepard Smith and Neil Cavuto over on Fox News actually cut people off of their air. Guests were stopped mid-sentence and hung up on for daring to suggest even the possibility that uh, the Notre Dame fires may have been perpetrated by uh, Islamist terrorists. It's just too awful to consider. And But the guests were simply pointing out that France has had a rash of church arsons and vandalisms, and this year... We're only toward the end of April, and already there have been 200 arsons and church vandalisms in France last year. For the year, I think there was about 1,700 of these awful events. And if you look throughout Europe, 
those nations with the highest Muslim populations are also the ones with the highest numbers of churches being burned and desecrated. And this, um, you know, truly does um, present a major, major problem for um, for these nations because what they've basically done over there is create a powder keg where the the French and the German population and the, these other populations can't even point out that we're being slaughtered in a religious-inspired, in these religious-inspired inspired attacks. And the authorities over in France have rushed to claim that these, uh, these fires were electrical in nature. Now, my prior uh, trade was firefighting. And usually when a, uh, an arson investigator is unable to establish a term or a, uh, a cause of the fire, they will la- label it electrical because there has to be an ignition source. And apparently there was no ignition source in this fire that they've been able to identify in this fire at Notre Dame. And so they've just labeled it, it electrical because... There was not enough left of that ceiling to determine whether or not, in fact, it had been electrical. So basically what they've done is they've ruled everything else out, determined that the only possible ignition source could be electrical, and so they're calling it that. What they've basically done is tried to hurry up and close the book on this because the truth of the matter is they could not deal with it as a nation if, in fact, Islamist terrorists had burned this church down. I say they could, and maybe they could. You know, we dealt with the 9-11 attacks and just carried on in this country. Uh, Muslim immigration into the United States actually went up significantly after 9-11. And in France, they've, they've had, um, you know, in addition to these church attacks, they had a, a priest was conducting a, a Sunday service when uh, radical Islamists came in, made him kneel and cut his throat right there at the altar while saying Islamic prayers. And apparently that wasn't enough to arouse uh, the, the French population to question whether or not this um, trend of importing huge populations of people who have a religion that has historically been in conflict everywhere it's gone but most especially against christians i want to play you a clip here this is back a a report um i think it was two or three years ago when this uh, this atrocity happened in france French police responded quickly and decisively, surrounding the church where two terrorists took hostages in a suburban town in Normandy. But what the militants did inside the church has shocked many in France. According to a nun who survived, the attackers forced the 86-year-old priest to kneel, then performed some kind of sermon in Arabic by the altar and slit the priest's throat. 
I think this is the first time that a man of the cloth has been murdered at his altar uh, in a place of worship in Europe through an act of terror uh, since the Second World War. French police killed the terrorists and arrested potential accomplices. The church attack was profane. It also seems to be a huge intelligence failure. One of the suspects had been charged with links to terrorism, was out on bail, and required to wear a monitoring anklet. How is this happening? This is not someone who went out and explosives. This is not someone who actually went abroad to another country. How do you track someone? How do you anticipate when someone is going to pick up a knife or get behind the wheel of a truck and randomly murder people? Well, the truth of the matter is when you have populations as large, uh, Muslim populations as large as they've imported into Europe, you cannot possibly keep a lid on all of the uh, Islamic uh, radicals because uh, radical Islam is a major feature of um, of the Muslim faith. They believe the Quran. They believe in the admonition that they're supposed to slay infidels. A major portion of them do, at least. And that's why we see the rise of these these crimes. And and you wonder, uh, you know, he, he, he was talking there about the intelligence failure. The intelligence failure is because, one, there's just far too many of these suspects to keep track of. And two, because there are strict guidelines with how closely uh, you can monitor these groups for fear of violating their civil liberties. And so the West, you know, with its uh, tradition of uh, freedoms and civil liberties, is actually uh, at a disadvantage in trying to protect itself when, in fact, it brings all of these radical Islamists into their nations and um, and pretends as if uh, the consequences aren't entirely predictable. And you see uh, a little bit of that uh, political correctness in the way that um, Fox News, Shepard Smith, and Neil Cavuto handled those calls uh, in the aftermath of the Notre Dame fires. Shepard Smith hung up on a French elected official who was trying to point out that, uh, you know, we've got an epidemic of church attacks in France. And it just was raising the specter and, and possibly discussing the, uh, the consequences if Notre Dame had been arsoned. He was cut off mid-sentence, not allowed to talk about it. Neil Cavuto had Timothy Dolan a priest, a Catholic priest, the head of a major organization in the United States, come on, that was, again, trying to point out that there have been over 200 church attacks already this year in France. Neil Cavuto said, we're not allowed to discuss that, and hung up on him. And you wonder if anybody uh, called Neil or Shepard Smith and and tried to talk about the possibility of uh, the Sri Lanka Easter uh, church attacks being the result of Islamic uh, terrorism, wouldn't, would they be hung, on up, up, hung up on as well? Because, see, there are certain things that in Western nations are just too terrible to utter because it would make us deal with uh, certain realities that are um, too, uh, too horrible to face.
So we can only send our prayers to the victims of the church massacres in Sri Lanka and determined uh, that we find some way to protect Christianity and Western civilization before we get entirely obliterated by this phenomena of radical Islamic terrorism. Well, you know, I, I wrote, uh, I guess, how long ago has it been? It's been about three months ago. I wrote in the American Thinker magazine, that their um, uh, website, I should say, that Mueller will not produce an impeachment report. The last thing that Mueller would want would be um, the Congress digging into the so-called collusion of the Trump campaign, because then they would have to answer very serious and um, illegal questions about how this whole investigation started. I did not anticipate, I have to admit, that he would try to prompt impeachment by stirring up this, this whole obstruction volume of the report. He actually separated the report into two volumes so that you can take one of the volumes, the one on collusion and, uh, conspiracy and entirely separated from the one where he's trying to lead the Democrats to impeach the president. And he certainly was never going to charge any American with conspiracy to collude with the Russian government to interfere in the election because then he would have had to go on into court and face an opposing counsel that would have drug out all of the wrongdoing by the Obama administration and the intelligence agencies trying to target uh, the, the Trump administration and the Trump campaign. Determining whether Trump colluded, which was always absurd, was never the purpose of the special counsel. Mueller was brought in by Rosenstein who was knee-deep in this whole scandal to put the new Trump administration on the defensive and prevent them from uncovering the just rampant wrongdoing by Brennan, Comey, and Clapper, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, Andy McCabe, Bruce Orr, his wife, Susan Rice, Sally Yates, the whole bunch of them put the services of the CIA and the FBI to work for the Hillary Clinton campaign. They thought that she was a shoe-in and that they were going to ingratiate themselves to the new incoming administration. So Rosenstein brings in Mueller to put the new administration, the Trump administration, on the defensive and to try to cover up the wrongdoing in the Obama administration and by Hillary Clinton. And you would have to admit that at least so far, that effort has largely been successful. We're, we're two years out, and still no one has investigated whether the DNC was in fact hacked or whether their emails were leaked internally. No one's investigating who, in fact, murdered Seth Rich. 
Hundreds of millions of dollars were collected by the Clinton Foundation from foreign interests while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State and presumed to be the next president of the United States. All that now is just water under the bridge. Whether Joseph Massoud, Henry Greenberg, Felix Sater, and others that we don't even know about were working for the CIA or the FBI when they attempted to entrap the Trump campaign peddling, you know, Russia dirt on Hillary. None of that. It's got, no, we've gotten to the bottom of none of that. We're told now that Bill Barr is going to look into that, but I kind of think, and this is, this is just my early take. I, I will update you on this as things develop. I kind of think that Bill Barr was brought in to put an end to all of this foolishness to uh, basically let the deep state um, actors get away with it while at the same time exonerating Trump. It wouldn't be the worst uh, resolution of this because at some point we've got to get back to running the nation. We've got serious issues that we have to deal with. Barr says that he's going to take a look at um, at the spying that went on in the, in the Obama administration against Trump and the 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 leftists and the media and the Democrats absolutely melted down when he uttered those words. Because these are the truths you're not allowed to bring forward. You're not allowed to even speak these. And they realized when Barr said that, that, hey, the the jig is up. This guy is not going to go along with um, the misdeeds and the CIA and the FBI like Rosenstein did. And finally, after two years of this stupid Mueller investigation, we're going to get maybe to take a look at the real wrongdoing that went on in the 2016 election. But as I said, Mueller wasn't about to indict anybody and have to go into a courtroom and face a opposing counsel that would have brought up the the origins of this collusion investigation, the attempts to frame members of the Trump campaign by CIA and FBI operatives, Mifsud, Sater, and Greenberg, just to name the ones we know about. And so after two years and $30 million, I think it's actually $35 million dollars, the only thing we have to show for the investigation is a separate volume over here that Mueller has uh, filled with innuendo and spinning of tails to try to give the Democrats something to chew on for the next two years ahead of the election and maybe impeach, try to impeach Donald Trump. It's very telling that he kept these two issues so apart that he actually created two volumes. And the way that uh, Weissman, who wrote this fiction, 
framed this was that Donald Trump was obstructing justice because he was angry about being accused of being a traitor. And he contemplated firing Robert Mueller. He told one of his uh, counsels to fire Robert Mueller, according to uh, McGahn. McGahn never, in fact, fired him, and Mueller was allowed to continue. But McGahn says the reason Trump told him to fire Mueller was because Mueller was conflicted. And guess what? Mueller absolutely was conflicted. He never should have been appointed. It was a joke to begin with. How the mentor and close personal friend of Jim Comey can be appointed to investigate the firing of Jim Comey was always laughable. And a former director of the FBI being brought in to continue a cover-up of FBI wrongdoing is equally as laughable. You know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, one of the things I always point out is that um, we need to do a better job as conservatives of using our buying power in order to um, support the causes that we believe in. And the one, one thing you can do is switch your phone service over to Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a veteran-led America first conservative cell phone company and every bill you pay every call you make with their service fights for America's freedoms you can get the same reliable nationwide coverage you already have now and know that your hard-earned money is not being used to support these radical left-wing causes but instead is being used to uh, support conservative organizations like the Heritage Foundation, the National Rifle Association, and the Alliance Defending Freedom. Plans start as low as $25 a month, and you can sign up by calling 1-800-A-PATRIOT. That's 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Tell them uh, you've got the discount code MOJO50, or you can visit their website at patriotmobile.com slash Mojo Five O, and they'll waive the activation fee. The far left has crossed the line. They're silencing conservatives on uh, uh, social media platforms and in websites. Shadow bans on Twitter and Facebook. They block you uh, in your ads. They demonetize conservative sites on YouTube. If you do Google searches, you'll see that they've removed the conservative um, search results, it is endemic. And it's time that we take our dollars and put them to work for conservative causes. 1-800-A-PATRIOT. The the discount code is MOJO50 or visit patriotmobile.com slash MOJO50. So how would you like it if you spent two years and $30 million assembling a report that concludes that there was no crime to investigate. Nobody colluded with the Russian government. And the truth be known, the Russian government's interference in our election happens every two years and every four years. And guess what? We interfere in their elections as well. 
But it took Mueller more than 400 pages to state the obvious. No collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians. Nothing. And then it tries to tee up this next witch hunt for the Democrats of obstruction of justice. Trump tweeted, made angry tweets. He interfered. He said that Mueller never should have appointed and can't be the special counsel because he's conflicted. Absolutely true. But uh, Rod Rosenstein has put together quite a work of fiction. It's going to be very interesting to see if the Democrats take him up on his offer to try to impeach Trump. I encourage them to do so. I would love it if they spent the next two years ahead of the election making as big a fools of themselves as they have for the last two years. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, the, the representative of a company called RoboKiller that's trying to do something about this flood of robocalls you keep getting into your cell phones. And they've got a new app that'll let you fight fire with fire. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after these breaks. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Well, we've all experienced it. You're sitting down to dinner in the evening or starting to unwind, and this happens. Hello? This matter is very serious emergency and time sensitive. Hello? We are calling you from investigation team of IRS. I this don't... matter is... <laughs> Robocalls have become just... Uh, saturated on our uh, cell phones and in 2018 over 48 billion robocalls were placed in the united states and that's a 60 percent increase over 2017 at this point more than half of the cell phone calls placed in the united states are from automated dialers rendering our cell phones almost useless our next guest has a solution that allows you to fight fire with fire ethan gar is vice president of robo killer uh, they have got a blocking app 
that lets you get revenge on telemarketers by countering their spam calls with answer bots. Roborkiller.com is the website. Ethan, thanks so much for joining us on Right Now. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So uh, we all know it's a problem. Um, our, our cell phones, we can't even really answer the phone anymore except for just those few numbers that we recognize. Uh, I, I always thought that uh, we had a no-call list and that uh, these calls were illegal. What's going on? Well, they are illegal, and the do not call list does exactly what it's supposed to do, which is not at all what we think it's supposed to do. Um, the do not call list uh, came out around 1993, if I'm correct. And what it does uh, is it stops legal robocallers from – legal telemarketers from calling you. So basically, legal telemarketers pay to honor this list. Um, however, most of the calls you're getting – are not from legal telemarketers. They're from illegal telemarketers who are making illegal calls to you. And the problem is that people who are out to break the law aren't going to pay for a list to not call you. So the do not call list probably protects you from you know, one or two calls a month. But on average, the Americans are getting 22 calls a month, and that leads to about 5.5 billion robocalls uh, a month. And that means that uh, for most of us, um, this is not just a nuisance, it's an epidemic. And, you know, with that kind of volume, um, certainly for most of us, it's just a case of just constant harassment. Like you said, you know, you're sitting down to the dinner, your dinner table, you're entering a meeting, and you're just, you're interrupted. And I think that's bad enough, but uh, at the very worst, these calls are designed to reach into our pockets, steal our money, steal our identity. And when they do, they have really harsh consequences for for people and they target the most vulnerable in our populations you know most of us will probably say well i'm not going to fall for the scams that's true most of us don't but the people who do are usually the people who are the most you know the the most the the most the people who are most hurt by these so the elderly people who have disabilities they're the ones who get hurt by these vulnerable populations Uh, that's what i was going to ask you know, how do these people maintain their anonymity at the same time uh, get people to send them money? Well, you know, they they weave a complicated web. Are most uh, of these calls scam calls? You know, it's it's a it's a mix. You know, not every robocall you're going to get is a scam in the sense that there's somebody out there who's trying to, you know, steal money from you. There are some where, you know, there's some calls you're going to get where they're offering carpet cleaning services or something. And, yeah, if you pay them, they'll send out a carpet cleaning service. It's just that those calls, they don't have the right to call you in the first place. Um, So not every call is a scam in the sense that they're literally trying to defraud you. Um, But the telemarketing laws are pretty strict. You can't call someone who hasn't given you explicit permission to do so. And most of these uh, calls that you're getting uh, do violate uh, what's called the TCPA Act. So, um yeah, it's a uh, it's a real problem, and they maintain their anonymity uh, using a couple of different techniques. But the most common one is call spoofing. So you've probably gotten telemarketing calls that look like they're coming from local numbers, and that's because the telemarketers have figured out that most people think that you know when they see a call that's local to them, you know from their area code and exchange. They feel like it's probably someone they know. Maybe it's their pharmacy calling, telling them that a pres- their prescription's ready, or their doctor, right. their children's school. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, you know. So we have this, this almost ingrained feeling like we have to pick up those calls. 
But what they're doing is they're not actually calling from those numbers. What they're doing is essentially just showing you a caller ID as if they're calling from those numbers. They're so spoofing. that's called, yeah, spoofing. So and, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. How many of these calls originate from uh, overseas? It's impossible to know exactly because, by definition, when you spoof a call, you can't figure out the originating number. However, our best guess is that it's 65 to 70 percent of these calls do originate overseas. So quite a few. Hey, Ethan, I've got a a confession to make. Um, At one time, uh, I was the president of a nonprofit, and we, uh, when I was elected, I inherited a telemarketing uh, fundraising operation. And I got to tell you, I looked at the contract. And the amount of money that we were receiving from this contract was so low that uh, as soon as it ended, I gave the uh, telemarketers an ultimatum. Either they had to increase double the amount that was actually delivered to our charity or we were going to terminate the contract. And and we ended up terminating the contract for that very reason. And uh, I had to carry around a cell phone on my hip at the time to take complaints from people that uh, had received these these calls and and I learned that these telemarketers were anything but ethical and oftentimes tried to take advantage of uh, as you said elderly and vulnerable populations and uh, and I was anxious to get out of it uh, I know that there's an exemption in the law for nonprofits it's not illegal for nonprofits or political um, campaigns to engage in this but why hasn't the um, the federal government and the FCC been more effective at uh, outlawing this practice. You know, it's really it's a, it's a, a, a tremendous challenge for them to fight this problem. Uh, and the truth is, legislation and enforcement, no matter how good or effective they are or how strong they are, are is probably not going to stop this problem. I, I mean, think about it. If there's two guys in a room somewhere in you know Southeast Asia. Uh, with a computer and a little bit of technical know-how, and they're spoofing calls that, and tricking people into believing that it's the, the IRS calling and that there's a warrant out for their arrest. Those people have no fear that the long arm of the federal government in the USA is going to come and extradite them and put them in jail. In fact, the FTC and FCC only have civil um, authority. They can't actually arrest you for this. So unless someone's actually committing fraud and the Justice Department gets involved, it's really hard to, for anything more than a fine to be levied on somebody. And that's what the, FTC, the FCC, FTC excuse me, um, has had some really high-profile successes recently um, where they've gotten people for lots of money. Um, the problem is that it doesn't have much teeth. These guys, they'll, um, they'll get fined hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, um, and they'll just open up oper- another operation. It'd just they, be a cost of doing business. Yeah, and I think that's a real problem. And I think, you know, part of what you were describing there, I think, is uh, is really the heart of this. You know, there's legal and illegal telemarketing calls, but when it comes down to it, we as consumers, we don't care about legal versus illegal. We care about wanted versus unwanted, and that's what we've really been focused on as a company. Consumers come to us because they are tired of getting these calls. They don't care if, if there's a loophole that says that a pol- political robocall can get through, is legal. What they care about is not getting disturbed by a political robocall or any other robocall any time of day. Well, let and, me give you an example of one of these political robocalls. Sure. Hello, this is Hillary Clinton, 
and I'm calling to encourage you to cast your vote on Tuesday for a fresh new Michigan leader, Haley Stevens. Haley served as the chief of staff. So we're inundated with these type of calls every two years. Um, they come from both parties and they come from outside uh, PACs. And they absolutely flood um, not only our airwaves, our radio and TV, but also directly in our text mail or, or uh, text and voicemail. Um, I guess let's uh, tell me your story. How did you recognize this problem and what are you guys doing about it? Sure. Well, I think, uh, and this is a testament to, to the, the government's efforts. The, uh, the FTC actually got us into this fight. So uh, I work for a company called Teltech, and Teltech is about 13 years old. And we've been making apps, that, the apps and services that help people with privacy and security on their phones uh, since, since inception. And, you know, we have, we, for years, we've had, we've had apps that help you record calls on your iPhone, uh, called, one called tape a call. We have a, a product called trap call, which lets you unmask block caller ID. Um, so we've learned a, a few things about how the phone system works over that time. And in 2014, the FTC held a competition called Robocalls humanity strikes back because like I said, the FTC, the, the FTC and the FCC are very well-meaning, and they work very hard on the enforcement and legislation side, but they also know that they can't solve this problem simply with, with those tools. What they have to do is they have to get technology involved in solving the problem. So they put on this contest to get companies like us or people like us into this fight, and we actually won that competition with an app called RoboKiller. And so the federal was- government solicited apps to, to combat this problem? Yeah, they put it. They made this contest with a twenty-five thousand dollars prize. Um, I'm not and, used uh, to the federal government doing something useful. That's uh, that's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think they deserve a lot of credit for it because right. I think it's a it's actually a really smart uh, way to approach the problem. They they you know I, and I work directly with people from the FTC and the FCC, and they're good people. They care a lot about trying to solve this problem. But they are limited by things like, you know, there's, you know, the scope of the laws that that they and the mandates that they work under limit what they can and can't do. Uh, You know, it's 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 easy for us to say, why can't the government just flip a switch and stop spoofing? But there's two problems with that. One is there is no switch. It's a very complex phone network. The carriers can't just stop spoofing and neither can the federal government. And beyond that, um, you know, you've got players in this from all over the world. And then, you know, think about some of the, just the complexities of, you know, today, if you get a robocall from your pharmacy saying your prescription is ready, right? That's a wanted f- robocall. If you just ban robocalls, now CVS pharmacy or Walgreens can't get you, can't use that tool to help, to help their customers. All of those so, automated calls that are actually legitimate get eliminated as well. Yeah. So it's a very nuanced problem. And, you know, that's where I think we have a, a distinct advantage over carriers in the government. We don't have these mandates. We don't have these limitations. We can simply say, do users want to call or do they not want to call? So we built an algorithm that uses some complex uh, technologies like audio fingerprinting, machine learning, and user feedback to decide whether a call is simply wanted or unwanted. And we use some services that are available on the iPhone and Android phones so that we can actually – uh, essentially fund a block list, a global block list for our users that is dynamically updated and it's constantly learning and growing and figuring out what calls are legitimate and what calls are not. But I thought the, name, and, the numbers changed so often that uh, that was like playing whack-a-mole. 
Well, yes and no. I mean, they do change. You know, they are using uh, different different phone numbers, but at the same time, we're not just using the caller ID to decide whether a call is a human or a robot. Audio fingerprinting is a tool. If you've ever held up your cell phone and said what song is playing um, or use this service like Shazam, you're familiar with audio fingerprinting. Audio fingerprinting is where you take audio, you turn it into data, and then you use that data to compare uh, recordings or, or sounds to other sounds in a database. We do that essentially in real time so that we're not just depending on the phone number that's being, being used, but we're actually listening to the the sounds of the of the recordings that are being played. So the that call. Us, so the, uh, the the cell phone uh, owner can hit a button and transfer this call over to your service. They don't even have to do that. When oh. when you when you get RoboKiller, you set up your phone so that your so that we any call that we block and we have we have this block list gets automatically sent to us. So this all happens without you doing anything. You don't get you don't get a robocall and then have to send it to us. The robocall doesn't come through. The telemarketing call doesn't come through. We block it in real time. It comes to us. We decide whether it's a human or a robot, whether it's legitimate or not legitimate, wanted or unwanted. And if it's unwanted, we actually answer that call with these answer bots. And these are robots of our own that talk back to the scammers and waste their time. So we try to reach into their pocket and turn the tables on them. Instead of them stealing money from you, we try to steal their time. And time is money when it comes to a business, legal or not. Well, I've got some examples of your, uh, your app right here. I want to play them for the listeners. This is uh, quite entertaining. Cool. Well, for some reason, it's not coming through. Stand by. Let me uh, okay. let me deal with this technical issue real quick. I think I know what's going on. And rubella. Okay, John. here we go. Rubella, thank you. Hello. Good morning, Mr. We're calling on behalf of Physician Bone Services. We're trying to uh, reach you back here, sir. You said you were trying to make a payment. I'm just a little shook up. I actually had like an alien encounter this morning. <laughs> oh wow! Where where do you live? You know, I could see there was like a window on it, and there were like figures in the window, and they like they were like waving to me, and I'm like I'm standing there holding my you know my Jordans in one hand, I'm holding the polish in the other hand, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm like uh, I, I, like I wish I would have been prepared, like I would have you know put out some cookies or something like for Santa. Oh know? boy. <laughs> You know, I had I mentioned I had some experience with the telemarketers um, many years ago, and one time I visited their call center to, to inspect their operations, and I remembered they had an automated phone tree so that the operator would not actually talk to the person on the other end of the phone. They would just hit a button on the phone tree, depending on the the, um, the response of the person he was talking to, so I can only imagine uh, what your robo caller talking to their robo um, spammer on the other end of the phone could sound like. Yeah, well, we decided that uh, we decided that if you're going to stop robocalls, you might as well make it a little fun in the, in the, <laughs> in the process, and um, and it can be hilarious. But it does serve this really incredible purpose. I mean, you know, they they are fun. They're, we have a Hillary impersonator, a Trump impersonator. 
we had you can make your own answer box. You can choose from one of ours, or you can even select a random rotation. So we we've definitely made it fun and entertaining. But if you, you can make your own, happening. huh? So you, you, oh yeah, oh that's fun. So we uh, we really gave our, we gave Hillary a little air call or airtime on the robocall uh, a few minutes ago. Let's uh, let's hear how, how Donald Trump deals with uh, spam calls. <laughs> uh, hello, sure. Hello, Cheryl. Sir or ma'am, you are going way too fast. Who is this? Is this Mr. T? Listen, listen, listen. I don't need to be swayed with this information. I do what I want. We're we're looking for uh, contributions. Wait, wait, wait. You actually think what you're trying to tell me is convincing? Yes, sir. If you were like me, an expert negotiator, maybe I'd be taking you a little bit more seriously. If I was your boss, you would be fired already. You're fired. Well, I think I'm doing a good job, sir. <laughs> so that is fun. Have you had any feedback from the actual robocallers? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we hear we hear them all the time getting more and more frustrated. But the great thing about our custom answer bots, the ones that you can create your own, is it means that, no matter how big our library is, you know, we can only create, you know, create so many answer bots with over a hundred that you can choose from. But since users are creating them as well, they never get stale and the telemarketers never really know that they're talking to a robot versus a human. Um, and just last month, we wasted 113,000 hours of telemarketers time. So our, and that, when I say that, that means that we actually reached the humans behind these telemarketing calls to waste that time. So our, Answer bots are smart. They know how to press one or press three to get to an operator. They, they're, they're, they're intelligent answer bots. And when they get to the human beings and waste their time, sure, it's funny. And, and you have the opportunity to listen to these calls in the app. Nice. And get the, you know, the, certainly get the entertainment value out of it. But the other side of it, of course, is that every moment that we're wasting is a moment that these telemarketers can't actually reach into someone's pocket and steal their money. At the end of the day, the robot, the robocalls are the are annoying, but the robocalls themselves are not really dangerous from the perspective of robocalls themselves don't steal money from people or steal identities. Robocalls themselves aren't what hurt the elderly or you know our our vulnerable populations. It's when they get to the humans behind them, and that's what robocalls are really good at. They're really good at funneling millions and millions of of calls to the people who are dangerous, who are who are behind these. But the answer bots get to those people, and they waste their time. Um, so, you know, we're really proud of them. We definitely we, uh, we like the entertainment side of it, and we, um, we're very proud of it. Um, but we do think that we're making a difference in this fight. I would love to hear some of these automated bots talking to your uh, killer bots and see how long that would go on before, uh, before somebody pulled the plug. So it sounds like a great app. How much does it cost? Where can people get it? And um, and what can they expect as far as, um, you know, uh, uh, keeping these these calls from getting through to their phone? Yeah, we're going to dramatically reduce the number of robocalls and telemarketing calls that get to your phone. If you When you get RoboKiller, you can go to RoboKiller.com and learn more. But if you go to either the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, you can download the app. The download is free, and it comes with a seven-day free trial. And then from there, you can choose either a yearly option or a monthly option. Monthly options cost $3.99 a month, and yearly costs $29.99 a year. So for about a, you know, one Starbucks a month, you can uh, protect yourself from all these incoming calls and uh, 
really get your phone back and get some of your peace of mind back. And you can enjoy your Starbucks instead of constantly having to pick up your phone and, and see who's calling. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I just want to ask you real quick. I, I read somewhere that uh, the Senate is preparing to take, try to take action on this, and it's about time the people in Washington, D.C. actually did something other than, uh, you know, playing politics. Uh, do you think that the proposed legislation might be effective? There's several pieces of legislation that are on the table. Um, what they at best will do is is improve a little bit the ability of the FTC and the FCC to uh, enforce, you know, enforce and legislate, enforce the law and go after bad actors. If that happens, you know, they and you know, what, probably at best, that's a deterrent for legitimate companies here in the U.S. from making bad decisions about how they're going to use the telephone system to market their products and services. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of having a material impact on the five and a half billion robocalls being made every month, uh, I'd recommend you get RoboKiller before you trust that the, uh, the uh, legislation is going to solve this problem. I thought you might say that, Ethan. <laughs> Ethan Gar is vice president of RoboKiller. They're a killer app available on uh, the Apple Store or the Play Store that you can put on your phone and start uh, fighting back against these constant robocalls. Ethan, thanks for joining us, and uh, hey, I hope you'll come back us. and give us an update uh, as the uh, as the product uh, rolls out. Anytime, sure. Take care. Thanks. Bye. So if you haven't registered to win this Smith & Wesson 380 available at mojo50.com slash register to win, you need to run over there. It's being sponsored by Tar River Arms, and it's just a fabulous weapon, especially for concealed carry. It's a Smith & Wesson bodyguard, 380, six-round clip, one in the chamber, and it's got a crimson laser sight built into the polymer body. You don't want to miss this. You need to go over to mojo50.com slash register to win and get your name in before time runs out. And if you don't want the weapon, you can, of course, win it and give it to me. Well, I think we ought to, in the short time we've got left in today's show, put an end to this notion that Robert Mueller was some sort of um, honest actor, one of these righteous and highly ethical bureaucrats that uh, that you always hear about in D.C., except for when, when it really comes down to it, they turn out to be partisan hacks with a political agenda that they're, uh, they're trying to pursue. And uh, the way Robert Mueller conducted his investigation will bring an everlasting shame to him and his um, – his tenure when he was FBI director. Robert Mueller was actually FBI director uh, longer than anybody other than J. Edgar Hoover. And uh, over the weekend, Louis Gohmert, the representative from Texas, uh, was actually a guest on C-SPAN. And uh, and he sort of put an end to all of this, uh, this talk about... Um, Mueller being, uh, you know, a a highly uh, ethical former FBI director. I'm going to play this clip right here. Well, 
it's what I've been saying it was going to be for quite some time, and um, that is that Mueller should never have taken the job as special counsel. He was begging Trump to to make him director of the FBI again. Trump refused to do that. And then uh, within 24 hours later, he's offered a chance to go after the guy that uh, he was unhappy with for not hiring him as FBI director. And I know there are some that talked about how great Mueller was, but I have known this guy, researched him well, all the diff- and had all the different occasions to question him when he came before our committee. And this guy did more damage to the FBI than than Hoover in his worst days. Uh, he ran off thousands and thousands of years of experience because he wanted nothing but yes people around him. And uh, th- that's what he got. And the FBI was damaged dramatically as a result. And I think it's led to the inability to uh, have FBI officials in there who were more accountable so that you could have the people like Peter Strzok and uh, uh, Lisa Page and people that just were out after their own political pursuits, uh, who they liked and who they didn't. Uh, so I, I and I've been saying uh he was going to drag this thing out as long as he could. Well, we find out uh, he surely had to have known within a year that there was no Russia collusion. He found out well before the 2018 election, and he continued to drag it out in order to punish uh, the GOP politically and to um, to hope that the Democrats could retake uh, the House and the Senate. And, of course, they were able to retake the House. If that had happened, then that volume two of the report would have been especially useful for Mueller and the deep state to, to give the Democrats some grist for impeachment. Of course, um, they can impeach all they want, but they'll never get a conviction in the House and remove uh, the president. But Mueller and his henchman, Andrew Weissman, have a long history of um, – uh, misconduct and abuse, both in the Enron case where they destroyed uh, the accounting firm of Arthur Anderson. It, I think it ended up putting about 25,000 people out of work worldwide that worked for Arthur Anderson. And, of course, their conviction was thrown out by the Supreme Court on a 9-0 to zero ruling. You very rarely get every one of the Supreme Court justices to agree on something. But this is the guy, Mueller. And Andrew Weissman, the guys that Rod Rosenstein chose to appoint to investigate Donald Trump, which puts the lie to the whole thing that this was an honest investigation. This was a uh, a uh, a witch hunt from the beginning. It was designed to cover up the wrongdoing of the deep state. And Robert Mueller and Andrew Weissman were just the guys to do it. And their names need to go down in his- in the history books as. Um, villains and people who damage the American political system and reduce people's faith in their government's uh, ability to function. I'd like to get back to doing the people's business, but I don't think the Democrats are going to allow it. I think we're going to have to go on offensive and, and expose their wrongdoing instead. Well, that's about it for today's show. Thanks for joining us. I hope you'll join us back here again tomorrow for another edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. 
When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.